Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff, really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail so that way you can say, does this apply to me and how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to the Fitbucks podcast for all watching on YouTube. Welcome there as well. Got a special interview today uh, with Kenton from Doc to Doc. Um, it's going to be a fun one. We're talking about some of the, the tools and products that they are coming out with to help docs from the lending standpoint, um, go through a little bit of how the history of how they got there, Ken's background, all that fun stuff. Uh, before I do, I don't want to steal any of your thunder. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, glad to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Joseph. Really, uh, really a pleasure to, to, to be here today and be part of the, the, the Fitbox community and podcast. Yeah. Um, before we even talk about Doc to Doc, I, you know, just, I want to give all the listeners and, and people watching this on YouTube, just an opportunity to get to, to know about your background. Um, you know, how did you get to where you're at today? What led you into working with Doc to Doc? Um, you know, just touch a little bit about your background and, and then we'll go from there. Sure. I'll, I'll give the abridged version here to start with, but the, yeah. uh, you know, my, my, my background, I, uh, you know, I went, I studied. Grew up in New Hampshire, went to went to school in Western Massachusetts uh, for college at at Holy Cross, and uh, was uh, you know, considering medicine at the time. A- ended up uh, going into medicine uh, at, at medical school up in Dartmouth, um, and at that time they were promoting a dual degree MD MBA program, and and uh, and that kind of caught my eye, and so spent a couple extra years um, up there um, uh, in in that program. Uh, and when that finished, I went to residency, uh, which was in, which was in Boston, um, to train in anesthesiology. And that was the impetus that kind of set the spark for doc to doc. You know, when I came out of medical school, I had about $230,000 in, in student loan debt. Um, I had, um, met my wife who was a nurse uh, at, at, at Dartmouth. Uh, we met and got married there. And by the time we moved to Dartmouth, um, already had our first child and she was pregnant with our second. My salary as a resident was about uh, $54,000 a year. Uh, and, and my wife had supported us early early on in our, in our while well, I was in school. Um, and she had some professional goals. She wanted to go back to school and, and, and get some get some more training. And so all that is to say is that during that period of, of, of my life, you know, I was, I was working between 80 and a hundred hours a week clinically, but the most stressful piece was the financial aspect. Um, you know, my salary wasn't, wasn't supporting our family. And, um, and I was really disheartened and frustrated to, to find that I was viewed uh, as a high risk borrower. Uh, and, uh, and nobody would touch me. And so, uh, be happy to share kind of more about how that went, but to kind of round out the, my introduction, I went back, um, after all that, um, subspecialized in anesthesia back at Dartmouth and now practice out of the mass general 
uh, hospital system. Um, I practice a, a fractional FTE and a balance of my time has been dedicated to uh, to Doc to Doc since 2017. And, you know, basically our business premise is that that physicians and dentists are more credit worthy than than the, the then we look on paper the way that banks typically look at people and that uh, we as a niche population should be looked at differently. So, um, so that's kind of what brings us to today. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and part of the reason why we're here. Yeah. That, that, you know, that's the thing that I, I always get amazed by is that with banks, like, cause I, I know their lending algorithms and, and I get it that banks, I mean, they got to do scale, right? Like they're, they're massive and, they can't employ a bunch of people to do underwriting. Like, so they have all these algorithms that do the underwriting for them. And I've always been amazed about how for, for certain professions, they don't make adjustments to their algorithms. It's like a one size fits all type of thing. It's like, you know, that this is amazing to me. But then at the same time, <clears throat> when you talk to their CEOs of these banks and, and some of the higher up people in banks, they'll tell you, that they need to get doctors and they need to get dentists because those are the, the prime people that they want at their bank for their private wealth departments and all that. And I'm like, well, wait a second, you guys have a perfect opportunity to start working with these people and you're giving it up. So, you know, I definitely see the the need for it and what you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, that's definitely huge. Side question on that. Um, how'd you like living in Boston? You know, I, I love Boston. Um, so Boston, the, the, uh, we lived in Jamaica Plain, if you're familiar with Boston, which when we were there was, was not a great part of town, uh, which is, you know, our rent was still over $2,000 and it was not a great part of town, but, but, um, but what, what I loved about it is that it was, uh, it was a really manageable city, meaning that you could get from point A to point B. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty clustered, uh, so you can get around it pretty easily, uh, they had a ton to do for kids and uh and we had um uh, we had a really great community we met still some of my best friends uh, my wife's best friends down there um and not through our jobs jobs just kind of just kind of being out and about i think boston gets a rap for being kind of uh being kind of rough and tumble and not that friendly but that wasn't our experience there we had, we had, a, we had a really nice time yeah bring up that side note like my my wife's my in-laws are from Boston. So they have a place right in like Boston Commons in Chinatown. So we go up there all the time. And my wife was trying to convince me to go up there in July. And it's like, yeah, that's a little bit too hot and muggy then. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I definitely uh, enjoyed, enjoyed doing that. Um, you know, going back even prior to, you know, school, how come, you know, when you looked at the field, uh, just going into healthcare and whatnot, you know, what really just drove you going into that direction to begin with? Yeah, you know, the um, initially it, I liked I liked, you know, the sciences. I think that's that's kind of what sparks it in a lot of people. And and for me, I didn't know whether that was going to bring me to benchtop research or or clinical kind of direct patient care. I left out. I uh, after college spent a year down in, in uh, D.C. At, at the National Institutes of Health and was was in a division that allowed me to have a foot in both those realms. So I was working at the experimental transplantation and immunology branch, which was which was um, which was really fascinating because they were treating late stage cancer patients who had failed all the all the available treatments out there, and were in these early uh, clinical trials for promising uh, promising kind of basically. Uh, 
animal studies, technology that had been used in animals, but never in humans. And, and so, you know, we would go around on the patients in the morning, um, you take blood samples and then we'd spend the afternoon in the, in the lab, um, running the tests on the blood samples. And so, uh, for me, the, the, um, the more rewarding of those two rounds, uh, was, uh, was the interaction with the patients. And so ultimately led me to medical school, but I, but I, but it also gave me a huge respect for, for, um, for the research and the impact that that can have. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I always said for me personally, like if I ever went in the medical field, I'd be hundred percent like research, <laughs> like, like trying to work on patients and work with patients. I'm like, I'm a data person. I love where I look at research. <laughs> like it's amazing. You know, the, the, the impact that you can have on a 10,000 foot scale, I mean, uh, you know, is, is, you know, one 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 breakthrough can really has the ability to change the world. So I yeah. I, I can see the appeal, and it's highly data driven. Yeah, but then also people ask me too, like because I'm a finance guy, they're like, well, what would you go into the med field? I'm like anesthesiology. <laughs> they get paid the most, or one of the most. Like, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, you know, with Dr. Doc, like you brought up some of the, the problems that you ran into borrowing. Um, actually, before we even get into doc, Dr. Doc, dive deeper into that. So that way, some of the viewers that don't know, maybe they're still in school, maybe they're coming out of school. Um, you know, what are some of the issues that you ran into when you were trying to get different types of loans, that it be personal loans, mortgages, student loan refinance, whatever it may be? What were some of the issues that you saw when you're coming out? And doing your residency and whatnot. Yeah. So, so, um, so when I said I was, I was viewed as a high risk borrower, again, my, my financial profile at that time I shared with you, I had, had a, a significant amount of debt. That was my, you know, my, my income, my wife was, was working part-time. Um, and, uh, and although I didn't have any black marks against my credit profile, you know, I'd never, had never missed any payments on my student loans or, 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 or not paid my credit card bills. Um, I had an immature credit score, uh, primarily because I had been accumulating debt for the last six years in school uh, and not not building wealth. And so when you compared my credit profile to those of my peers who went into finance or management, um, you know, or marketing or, or really anything other than medicine or dentistry, uh, I was about a decade behind building a, a mature, strong credit profile compared to them. Now, <clears throat> the components that I'm alluding to that made me look high risk, uh, one, one of the big ones was it's called debt to income ratio, which is a, which is a, a, a really kind of universal almost metric um, that banks use to, to see if you are going to repay the money that they lend you. Um, and then secondly was um uh, was my uh, was my FICO score, which, as I said, uh, didn't have any black marks, but 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 um, you know wasn't wasn't mature and very strong at the time. Uh, and so so as what what I needed was just money to to kind of keep our goals on track to supplement life. Um, uh, um, and you know we had for my wife to go back to school, for example, we needed to put two kids in daycare, and and. Uh, when you added rent and daycare costs together, <clears throat> that pretty much took up my entire salary. And so, uh, and so, you know, our, our, 
position we were in, or are we going to kind of put some of these things on hold, uh, or or are we going to borrow money now to keep things on track with the with the expectation that you know we'll be able to pay that back later. Um, and in our position, you know, from day one of residency, we had really lucrative job offers for three years later. Um, you know the um, and and so it seemed like something was missing. My solution uh, was was imperfect. Uh, I used credit cards primarily, and um, and I was in my mid thirties at the time, and uh, and asked my family for help. And I was you know fortunate to to have a really supportive family, but um, uh, but again in my in my mid thirties, uh, it wasn't it was humbling to have to go and say you know, I I I'm, I'm in a tough spot financially. Can you can you help me out? Um, and so, um, and so that's kind of how we, how we got through that because the, um, like I said, the, the borrowing options, there were a few people that would even consider me, um, as a, you know, there was a personal loan borrower. Yeah. And, and just to let people know too, especially if, if you're listening to this thing about going to med school, this is something that we see a lot that people don't realize going in. They don't think about the residency. They don't think about the fellowship portion about the, the how they're going to survive because they don't realize they can't get a student loan. <laughs> like you're not in school anymore, technically. So you can no longer get a student loan. And so we, we see it all the time, that situation where it's like, oh crap, what do I do? And that's actually the, you know, one of the big reasons why we see so much credit card debt uh, with MDs that are going through residencies. I shouldn't say MDs, but people who are going through residencies and fellowships and everything is because it's like, where else do I turn to? And the first thing they do is go out and get credit card debt. When in reality, it's like, well, you should actually go out and get a personal loan instead. Um, and the reason why, so those of you, and I don't know if you ran into this, you might've ran into this at Doc to Doc, is that when you get a personal loan, it shows up as a loan on your credit report. And a loan doesn't hurt your credit score as much as what's called revolving debt. And so a credit card is revolving debt. And that's the way it goes on. So if you're going through your your residency and the first thing you do is you get credit card debt, your credit score is going to get get hit really hard. And then you might not be able to use any more credit card debt because you hit your limits. You can't get another credit card. So then you're going to go to a personal loan and you're going to get denied because your credit score is, score is too too low. So typically the process is go and get your, your personal loan first and try to get as much as that because it's also lower interest rate than credit cards. And then if you can't take it out any more personal loans and you still have some stuff left over, then go to the credit cards if you really need those as a last resort. And we see we see people make that mistake all the time, not just with MDs, but just in general graduating. They start using their credit card. Then they go out, they want to get like an auto loan or they need to refinance their student loans or something like that. And their credit score is just like destroyed. And it's like, yeah, like you went the wrong way. Um, so those are some of the small things that we see that it's like you make those little tweaks. Not only does it help you today, but in the future is going to end up being tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars if you just make those small little tweaks. So um, yeah. not sure if you guys have run across that very much at all. <laughs> We, we do. And you articulated it really well. So, so, you know, one of the major determinants of, of FICO score, as you said, is, um, is the credit utilization. Meaning that if you have, if you have, if you have three credit cards for $10,000 each, your total credit available to you is $30,000. 
And the percent of that $30,000 that you're using at the time your credit is pulled is a huge component of, of, um, of, uh, of determining your FICO score. So in residency, oftentimes you're often offered credit cards of, you know, $5,000. And if you're using $4,000, $4,000 of those, well, it's 80% credit utilization, which is, which is considered a, a, a very negative number. Um, and then the second component you alluded to is the installment and revolving that is called credit mix. So, so um, having a profile that shows on-time payments for both type, both types of revolving and installment um, uh, credit <clears throat> is a way to really boost your credit score. Um, and so uh, the way that we've seen it, Joseph, is, is for people who are know that in their future, they have a, a significant um a significant purchase. So for example, um, a mortgage. So people who are uh, towards the end of residency or coming out of residency know that they want to buy, buy a home um, when they, when they, uh, when, when, when they, when they get their first job and they want to make sure that their credit profile is as strong as possible going into that large purchase, knowing that for, you know, it's going to be something that they pay over 15 or 20 years and one or two percentage points of that mortgage can be the difference of, um, you know, even tens of thousands of dollars. And so, uh, so the credit card debt that they've accumulated, they will uh, pay off with a personal loan through us to doc to doc. There's kind of two benefits to that. One is it, you know, brings your your credit utilization essentially to zero. Um, uh, the other is it shows that you have both re revolving and installment debt. Um, three is the interest rates lower, and four there's a path to paying it all off and ultimately not having credit card debt. Um, and uh, as opposed to the credit cards, would generally try to try to try to try to keep that debt on the books. Um, and so, so, um, so we do. We work with a lot of people who are who are in that position and looking to shore up their credit profile. Oftentimes, um, in the setting of knowing that they're going to have a major purchase, like a like a mortgage or 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 starting a practice and needing a practice loan or buying into a practice and needing capital to um, to purchase equity in that practice. Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely. I mean, those of you that don't know, and I'll put a link to this too about the credit utilization ratio in the show notes. Like, it's massive. I mean, when we back solve, like, I, I've done, I, I'm that dork that looks at a lot of data and on like financial stuff and companies that try to back solve into the credit bureau's algorithms. Like, and every research shows that that credit utilization ratio is like 25, 35% of your credit score. It's one of the biggest things that, that goes into it. <clears throat> um, and like you brought up how to manipulate it, like the personal loan. So that way you get, you know, lower, lower credit utilization ratio to go out and get a mortgage and stuff. And it helps your credit score. Like we go one step further. Like if you know, you're going to be going down that route, like when I was in college and I figured this stuff out, like about the, that utilization ratio, I knew I was going to be buying anything for like five or six years. So every quarter I'd open up a new credit card. And just start because every time you open up a new one, let's just say you open up a five thousand dollar credit limit, another one that's five thousand, another one that's five thousand. Next thing you know, you got ten credit cards. So your overall credit rate, like utilization, that you can actually use is fifty grand. So if you have like two grand outstanding on it, it doesn't hurt you. Um, and so that's that's how we manipulate it. Like if you're an undergrad or you're in school and you know you got another year or two to graduate, it's like open up a couple of the credit cards try to, to get that number up higher. So that way that ratio is really, really good. Cause once you like take out about 10 to 20% of that ratio, 
So let's just say you have $10,000 available to you and you take out like a thousand or $2,000, it starts hitting your credit score a lot. Like people don't realize it. And if, you know, it keeps going up higher and higher and higher, like you got 50%, it really starts destroying your credit score. Um, and so, yeah, the higher that, that credit limit is better. Um, so now like my wife always gets mad at me because like, I, I think I have like 10 credit cards open, something like a half a million dollar credit limit. And I only use like one or two of them on a regular basis, but you have to keep them open. And a lot of companies that make you spend, like if you don't spend money, they close it. <laughs> so like, I'll take one out like once every two months and put like $5 on it. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, 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 you know, that's, that's a great, that's, that's, that's a great thought, you know, that's a, manipulating the denominator and not just the numerator, you know, oh, we, work, we, we work, we work, uh, we work primarily with the, with the numerator. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, the, the other, the other great point you raised was keeping, keeping the, keeping the credit cards open. I made this, I made this mistake, uh, coming out of residency, thinking that I was being really responsible and I closed one of my credit cards that I mm -hmm. had for five years and, and, uh, and learn the hard way that one of the other things that is in that FICO score is credit history. But, uh, as soon as you close it, you lose the, you lose the history of, of those positive payments. It has to be active. And so by, by closing a five-year-old credit card, um, my credit history went from, went from five years to, uh, the new one I opened, which was about six months old. And so, uh, so yeah. I, again, a, a, a tough lesson uh to to, to yeah, learn, learn the hard that's way. why like a lot of those internet bloggers that are like you know we're gonna be a financial coach close your credit cards it's like no and <laughs> don't right. don't do that like yeah me and Citibank don't have a good relationship because they they close they try to close one of my credit cards and I yeah it, <laughs> it had like a thirty thousand dollar credit limit on it and I was like no like <laughs> I'll use it <laughs> like I get your message like um yeah so Newsflash, if you have credit cards, don't close them. Like, just be responsible with them. Um, but there's another business line for you guys down the future. Dr. Doc credit card. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we, uh, we, we have them, actually. They're, they're business cards. Um, they're they're uh, primarily aimed at uh, at practice owners. Um, there you and, go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, start trying to market it. I shouldn't say new product. I say new target market. I'm sorry saying to people, like, in their early residencies or in school, here you go. Like, here's a strategy for you. <laughs> Yeah, you know the the uh, what we found is you know we've we've now worked with about five thousand five thousand uh, doctors and and uh, and every time someone uh, every time someone applies for a personal loan through us they speak with one of our 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 doctor team members so they speak with a doctor mm -hmm. um, and and uh, and I think through through that there's there's been a lot of trust built and so people are coming back to us for for what their, um, what their next need is. Um, and so we're trying to, trying to meet that. One of them was, uh, kind of, again, uh, credit cards tailored to medical dental practices, which is, which is, um, which is how that kind of came to be. Um, yeah. uh, the other, the other really common one is, is, is what I mentioned earlier, purchasing, purchasing, um, uh, shares in a practice or, or surgery centers. Um, so we, we help folks with those, uh, transactions. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, on that note, I mean, some of the doc to doc stuff, we, I've mentioned the name a bunch of times, we talked about it a little bit. Um, let's go through some of the programs that you guys have and talk about, you know, here's the specific loan programs. Here's like the problem. So not necessarily so much like, like the details of the programs, each one of them, but like, yeah. this is what we saw going on in the market. This is what the problem was. This is what it, what it helped. So people know 
more in depth because there's some different things on here like you guys stuff like with match day and practice a lot like they're not just straight out personal loans like sure oh i went to xyz company on nerd wallet and try to get a personal loan like these are very specific so i'll let you start going through them all um and, and touch on some of them and then yeah go from there sure yeah well our you know our 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 main product is a uh is a personal loan the benefit of the personal loan being that you can use it for 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 really any any purpose um and we we kind of segment our our market based on the typical career arc in a in a in a um a career in in medicine or dentistry and um the first the first group being the fourth year medical students and that's where we where you do um we do a lot of outreach around match day because because uh student loans aren't eligible for transition costs and so you know we have you know spoke with someone recently uh, uh moving from moving from uh philadelphia to san francisco uh to to you know as the finished medical school and and go to uh, start residency. And so they have a cross country move with their family and moving to, you know, one of the, well, probably one of the best residency programs, but happens to be in probably one of the highest cost of living areas in the, in the world. And to get a, um, to get just a place to live uh, with a, with a first last security deposit, it's about $10,000 factor in the moving costs going to be about $15,000. And, and again, you can't use, student loans for for this purpose so we, we do a lot of we do a lot of transition costs um we help with credit card debt that's been accumulated through through medical school with uh, with, uh, with 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 that market we have a kind of a even a branch of 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 off that where we where we um where we uh have a program for for visa holders um and this is a very underserved population within the medical and dental community and you know, I mentioned my experience about about having difficulty having access to capital. Well, it's even more difficult for people in that position who happen to be foreign medical graduates and are here on visas. Um, and uh, and so, you know, we have a, a H-1B, a, a, a J-1 and O-1 uh, visa programs that that um, that we lend to the medical and dental community. Um Further out into the career, I mentioned I mentioned during residency, there's kind of a varied uses there, um, uh, and some of the more common being uh, credit card uh, consolidation, um, uh, supporting life, you know, be it be it marriage, children, um, you know, we've kind of we've kind of fallen into helping um, some um, some female subspecialties in in um, infertility and in surrogacy for people who want to. Uh, kind of build their family, but not put a big pause on their career in order to in order to do that. And that can that can be uh, fifty thousand dollars just to just kind of get things going. And and then uh, kind of after the training years, um, and uh, and kind of fully into practice, that's the most varied um, subset of 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 the medical and dental community that we work with. Um, some of the some of the more kind of exciting. Um, reasons that, that we work with folks in that in that time are entrepreneurial activities. And it seems like, you know, over the past three years in particular, there's been a real surge in in medical and dental professionals who want to um, who want to also have kind of an entrepreneurial aspect to their professional life and uh, getting getting the funding to get their ideas off the ground can be challenging. 
Um, and, uh, and so we, we support, we support folks through that, um, you know, not just, not just through kind of seed funding, but in, in kind of more mature ideas who, for example, need an SBA loan, but you have to put 10% of your own, you have to put 10% of your own capital into into an SBA program. And so, um, so supplementing those, those applications to the SBA program. Um, uh, and, and, and then just, you know, major life events, um, you know, health scares, um, uh, uh, marriages, divorces, um, you know, things that, things that come up for, for, you know, reasons that you just, you just, uh, you need some extra dollars for that period. Uh, we've made the process really what we, what we believe is to be friendly. So the, the, the product in those early years, we offer, um, interest only payments so that, so that, you know, that it's not a, it's not a cash flow struggle, um, by, by, uh, by paying interest and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, again, that's an option that's available to, to, to folks in the early years. We have no prepayment penalties. We encourage people to get out of debt. You know, as you compare a personal loan interest rate to a mortgage or car loan, uh, the personal loan is going to be a higher rate just because there's no, there's no asset to securitize and back that loan. Um, and so we encourage people to pay off our loans when they're able to. Um, and, uh, and there's no prepayment penalties on any of our products, um, to, uh, to support that. And then the last thing I'll say is that the, you know, we make that, make the process really easy. It's about three, three page on a, on a computer screen, um, or your phone and you get a immediate, um, immediate, uh, terms sent to you. And then, like I said, you get an offer to speak with, with one of us. Um, and, and that happens within the, within the next, the 12 hours of the application and then the funds if accepted or generally uh, in your bank account within five to seven business days. So try to make it a, make it an easy process with some friendly terms. Yeah. might have to, uh, you know, fit bucks is a focusing on medical, <laughs> like we need some seed funding. Now it's fine. So um, you, you brought up earlier too about like the, you know, buying into a practice, you know, for those of you that are out there that, have just thought about that idea, you know, can you talk about that process a little bit and how like your guys loan product can potentially work around that to help people buy into practices and whatnot? Cause I know a yeah. lot of people that they have that idea, but they're not familiar with the whole process process of what goes into it. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, the, 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 the product that we've designed is meant to be an alternative for a very common um, way to be, to become a partner or an equity member of a practice. And, and currently for a lot of folks, what'll happen is you join a practice and you'll, you'll um, as a non-partner, a non-equity member, and for a period of you know, anywhere between two and five years, um, work at a deferred compensation, meaning that your salary is less than, than the equity holding partners. But after a period of time, that two to five year window, then you're granted equity in the and and a part in a partner. Meaning that if the if the practice if the business makes money, then as a as an equity member, you get a bonus payment and in addition to your salary. And um, the thought is is that over that period of time where you're making less money in your salary, um, the difference between what you make and the partners make. Um, is used to, to to purchase that equity. Now, the downside to that model is that if you think about when you join a practice 
well, you br you're bringing value to that practice. You're going to bring more patients. The value of the entire practice is going to benefit from it and grow. However, that that you don't you don't necessarily realize the benefit of your own value because you don't you don't have equity in the practice until that you know two to five year window. Um, and the alternative is to to purchase to purchase the equity at at day zero. And, and that's what we offer the option to do, to say, I'm going to join this practice. I'm going to buy in now um, at the value of the practice on day zero. And uh, Dr. Doc is going gonna, is gonna to help us um, pay for that. But now what you own, that share, you know, if you kind of think of it as a stock, that stock that you hold in the practice over the course of two to five years is going to become more valuable just because you're there. And so you can, you can, um, you can uh, kind of benefit from your, your own impact. Um, and, and, uh, and so it's a, it's a, uh, from the, from the, from the perspective of the, the, the physician or dentist joining that practice, it's a better alternative in a lot of ways. And so, uh, and so that, that was a, that was a common uh, story that we were hearing that people were, were bringing back to us saying, you, you, could you help me kind of find funding for this purpose? And it's really difficult to find um, because you have to know how to get an accurate valuation of a practice, uh, know that you're paying a fair price. It's a little more nuanced than, uh, than a lot of the products out there. So uh, we've kind of taken the time to do that and become pretty facile with it so that we can offer it to folks. And so, um, so that's that's kind of how we work with folks in in, in that in that realm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a former valuation analyst. So if you guys need any algorithms, let me know. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, for the listeners that don't know this, that's one of the things that you know we actually do at Fitbooks. Like that's different than a lot of financial companies. So like, Kenton, you brought up how a lot of traditional algorithms at banks for loans. They just look at your current stuff, your DTI or anything like that. They don't take into account like your future income, the risk of that income, anything like that. That's why you can't qualify for loans. But it's not just lending. It's the entire financial services market does everything like that for asset management, for how you repay student loans. They, they, everybody, that's all they do is they just look at the now. And so in the world of finance, we have what we call human capital analytics, which basically projects out someone's income, but the risk to that income. And we can value that asset, how much it's worth. And for MDs, it's a lot. So that's why it's like oh, algorithms can tell you, no, you're not in a bad situation. You're in a really good situation. Um, and it's similar to like what you guys are doing with underwriting for loans, but for everything. And so like when you're talking about that, yeah, I, I, I see it all the time because people are just like, yeah, like I'm an MD. Like, why can't I get these things? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, yeah, um, you know, you're right. So, hey, like you said, good luck trying to buy into a practice just coming out of school. You have no money. Like, yeah. so yeah, I, I see the definite need there. It's awesome that you guys are doing all that. Um, you know, closing words, any last thing that you want to touch on, um, you know, let everybody know, first and foremost, let everybody know how they can get, you know, to you guys at Doc to Doc. Um, anybody, anything last, last words that you want to touch on? Yeah, you know, I just thanks for again. Let me be part of the the the, the Fitbucks uh, community here today. Uh, we're 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 uh, we're trying to smooth the road that we walked uh, for the for the for the folks following behind us. And so, um, 
So, you know, to the extent that, um, that, that we can be helpful at Doc to Doc, that I can be helpful personally, <clears throat> if it's, um, if it's through one of our products or, or, or just a conversation, like I said, we have a, we have a, we have a panel of really great, you know, both uh, physicians and dentists who, uh, who, uh, who love to see it, where we can be helpful. Um, and, uh, you know, for our, for our, for our, our loan program, uh, it's right at our, right at our website. Again, the application page is right there. Um, uh, doc, the number two doc lending.com. And, and Joseph, if anyone reaches out to you, uh, it, you know, be happy to speak with them if you want to put them in touch uh, directly. So again, thanks. Thanks for letting me be, be, uh, be part of things here. It's really uh, impressive what you're doing with, uh, with Fitbox and with the, with the community that you've built. And um, again, I'm, I'm humbled to be part of it today. Yeah. And thanks for coming on. And one thing, one closing piece that I'll say that I really like about Dr. Doc is that when you call them, you're actually talking to like doctors and dentists that have been there. Like they're actually going through it. Whereas if you call like a typical personal loan lender, like lending club or something like that, it's like, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> We're some person that doesn't really know anything about finance. We just have a computer in front of us that tells us what to say and spit out some numbers. Like they don't really know anything about what you're actually doing. So I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. Thanks again for coming on. Go visit them. Um, if you're you know, a doctor or a dentist, you need that, you know, any type of the loan, go to Dr. Doc. If you guys need help, as always, with anything with your financial plan, fitbucks.com, sign up, fill out the entire plan. And go from there. I will talk to all you guys soon. Thank you.